0: Alright, is anybody in this place today in love with Jesus? Yeah. Hey, let's do this. Let's all stand to our feet one more time and let's give God a big shout of praise as we get ready to get into the Word today. Can we do that? Yeah. Come on, let's do it like we mean it. Come on, give Him a big shout. That yeah. is so worthy. He's so worthy. Thank you guys. You can be seated if you can. Everybody joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, for you guys and everyone in house today, if you would, hey. Uh, hop on that live stream, click like, and hit that share button so that we can get this message out to as many people as we possibly can today. And if you're doing that in the services like in-house, feel free to hop on your phone and do that. Maybe just watch the volume on your phone because we don't want to hear what I've said on the delay on the live stream. It's always fun when that happens. But uh, get the word out there. Thank you for sharing. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Y'all look good today. You look good. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you look good, but not as good as me. But not as good as me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Meaning you to the other person, not me personally. That's what I mean. <laughs> hey, I'll take all I can get. I will not turn down a compliment. Always need them. Hey, So glad that y'all are here today. Welcome to Eastgate Church for a guest with us here today. Take off your shoes, relax your family now, okay? Unless your feet stink and the person sitting in front of you or beside you will let you know. uh, Just as a courtesy, you know, maybe cover those things up because we don't need that this morning. But your family, that's our thing here when you're at Eastgate Church. We want you to feel like you're at home, like your family, because we're all children of God. Amen? All right. We are starting a a short series today called Twelve Stones, and really this is a revisit to... The vision of our church. We're going to be talking about what Eastgate Church is all about and the awesome things that God is laying on our hearts to do next. Because you know, in following God, uh, there's no such thing as staying in place. There's no such thing as getting stale. You know, he's always bringing things fresh and new. He's an exciting God to to follow. He's bringing in change. And, and I'm so excited about that. And I want to uh, dive into this today. Uh, anytime you start Talking about vision in a church, though, usually you get three groups of people automatically that begin to separate and form when you when you do this. You know, the first group is the group that says, "Woohoo! Yes, let's do this. I'm ready. Let's find out what's going on. Sign me up. I want to be on the front line. I can't wait to get involved in what's going on." Is there anybody like that here today? Yeah. Woo! There we go. Then you've got this other group of people, and they are. You'd say, hey, I'm excited about what's going on. I can't wait to hear about this stuff. And I got some questions. I got some questions. I'm a detailed kind of person, and there's a lot of blanks in my mind that I need filled in, you know. And, and I'm with you on that. Like me, I'm a question kind of person. And, and I love getting excited for vision, and I love the new things that God does. But I know this, that vision without a plan is just a good idea. And anybody that's taken a shower has had a good idea. You know, the difference is, can you get out of the shower, dry off, write it down, and then go make it happen? And so I get that, especially you type A personalities. I want to be excited, but how are we going to do this? What are we going to be doing? And don't worry, we got answers for those questions uh, because I'm that way. And listen, if after service or after any of the services in this series, you have a question, hey, come talk to me. Ask me. Um, this is... When anytime we cast vision in this church, it's kind of like you put an under-construction stamp on it because it's something that's fresh that we're putting out. But I believe that God is going to speak to us collectively as a church as we're going through this. And some of you are going to have great concepts and ideas that can be added to what's going on. So this isn't going to be a series where the pastor's up here saying, Hey, I went to the mountaintop, I heard from God, and this is what he told me to tell you to do. It's not what we're going to do. We're moving through this thing together as yeah. a church. Amen? So if you got questions, we'll, we'll answer those as it goes. So be at rest. We're going to get to that. Uh, third group of people is a group that I really love the most because uh, this third group is a group that just sits back and says, oh, great, here we go again. Here we go again. Another big idea. Another big something for us to do. Okay, preacher man, move me. Do something. And <laughs> uh, I love that because you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and that probably speaks a lot to your church history and your experiences in previous churches. And listen, I want to encourage you today, regardless of what group you would fit into, or maybe you're one of those people where, don't try to put me in a group, Pastor. Okay, I'm not, if you don't fit in a group, if you're just that happy little sheep bouncing around the edge of the fence on the other side, then that can be you today, too. um, I want to encourage you to just hit pause mentally, And look at what we're going to talk about, especially today um, and in the upcoming weeks, with a fresh mind, with a fresh outlook. And don't put what God is doing today through the filter of somebody's mistakes of yesterday. Okay? Because you'll lose what God is wanting to do in you and through you in this season. And our church won't reach the potential that we could reach if we all come together and we all move forward together as a church and what God is calling us to do. Make sense? So anytime you talk about vision, um, for me personally, I want to know why we're doing it. What's the reason why? And And today, that's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the why. Why we do this. Why we do what we do as a church. Why you do what you do as a believer in Jesus. Why... The reason why, because I found in my life that once I can establish the why, the why that I'm doing something, then the what and the how almost take care of itself. The why gives us the motivation because you can get lost in the what and the how. And we've seen churches get lost in the what and the how and they've forgotten about the why. And I never want our church to forget about why we do what we do. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So today we're going to talk about the why. I am going to give a little bit of what and how towards the end. For you question askers, don't worry. We're going to start to answer some of those today. But um, today we're really going to be focusing on why. And you can't talk about why we do what we do in church without looking at the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 19, this is the great commission that Jesus gave, not just to every church, but to every believer individually that follows after him. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the biggest reason why. We do what we do to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see people cross from death to life in a relationship with him, and not only to see that happen, but to help them grow in their faith so that they can be everything that God created them to be. This is the core why that every church on this planet should be operating out of. Whether they do or not, they should be. Because everything that we do, every ministry that we have, points to Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, his sacrifice for our sins, and all the change that he brings into our lives as we submit our lives to him, as we grow in our relationship with him. It all comes down to that. Now, while every church has that as its core mission, every church goes on its own journey accomplishing that. Because it's like, you know, Emily or Eric or Joe, you've got individual calls on your life. Each church has an individual calling placed on it. And those callings lead to different journeys and adventures. And I'm telling you, we have been on a great adventure here at this church, have we not? Man, it has been fun watching God do some amazing things. And, And, I mean, just think back, not too long ago, We were a church that had stepped out of sharing a building with another church, sitting on a rented storefront on Fairburn Road, having services and and reaching people for Jesus. You know, but God began to speak to us, say, you know what, I don't want you to stay where you are. I'm ready for you to transition into a new season as a church and God spoke this great vision over us and we were all you know stepping out in faith and believing and wondering how we would accomplish that or how God would accomplish that through us you know and one of the things that we felt like was that we were going to be very limited and the facility that we were in because specifically there was not any room for us to build or develop next generation ministries in our church. And while we had a place to meet as the adults, the facility in the rooms that our children and our students had was not up to the standard that it should have been. So we needed to make a change because we believed that we wanted to invest in the next generation as a church. Amen? Yeah. It's important because without the next generation... There is a much weaker church to try to accomplish what God is calling us to do. So, remember, we were, we were praying, and then somebody drove by this building. Spoiler alert, we're here. Um, <laughs> drove by this building, and it was for sale, and said, Hey, Pastor Josh, why don't you come and, and check this place out? I know we're looking, and it might be something to look at. So I pulled into the parking lot here after a service one day, and just sat here, and I said, Okay, God, if this is it, speak to me and he spoke. He said, this is home. This is the next step. And I said, okay, all right, you're going to have to make this happen. I picked up the phone, and I called the realtor, stepping out in faith. This is our building. I'm naming it. I'm claiming it. This is it. We're going to handle it. I called the realtor, answered, and I said, hey, I want to talk to you about purchasing this building. And he goes, oh, that's awesome, but it's under contract. I was like, well, great. I thought I heard God. Well, the people that had it under contract, it fell through. The realtor, after a couple of more people fell through, called us. And God began to do something special. You guys remember this, right? You remember this? We started talking about the what-ifs of the building. We all came in here and we looked at the building and walked through it. And we said, you know what? We can use this space. It's going to need some work. Y'all remember what this looked like before we got a hold of it, right? needed yeah. need a little bit of cosmetic upgrade. Um, and... Uh, not that it's where we want it to be now, but it's a, it's a much better condition than it was. So we put the, the idea and the vision before the church, and we all stepped in and began to pray, and we felt like, yeah, this is it. We met in a business meeting and voted, and we said by large majority that this is the direction that we want to go in. So we went all in for purchasing this building except for the fact that we didn't have any money. <laughs> lot of faith. No dollar bills, you know, like we were broke as a church, y'all. Y'all understand when I say broke, right? Like thinking about what it's going to be like to have enough money to be poor, that kind of broke, you know what I mean? We were <laughs> broke as a church. We were so broke as a church, we would go to Kentucky Fried Chicken after service and lick other people's fingers. That's how, we, how broke we were. As <laughs> Did I mess y'all up? Sorry, sorry you guys all. Watch it online. But I mean, that's serious, though. It was almost laughable because what we would have to come up with here as a down payment, we were looking at $105,000. And we were wondering how we were going to make the next month's rent payment at the other facility. But we could not get away from the vision that God was putting in our hearts. So we began to pray. And we began to believe, and we said, "You know what? if this is God's will, then this is God's bill, and if it's His vision, he's going to provide for it." And it wasn't very long after that that I got a phone call, and a person said, "You know what, Pastor, I've been watching what's happening with the down payment. It went from 105 down to 85. then it went down to 60, and then it went down to zero, and we were like, "Oh my gosh." And then it shot back up to 30, 30,000 dollars we needed. And we were like, oh, gosh, how are we going to come up with 30? That might as well have been $30 million. You guys remember this, right? Might as well have been $30 million. And got a phone call, and I said, Pastor, got the down payment covered. Don't worry about it. Let's move on with what God has called us to do. I said, oh, this is awesome. We got the down payment. $30,000 just appeared. We got the down payment. It was awesome that God spoke. And listen, We wouldn't be here if people hadn't been obedient to step out into what God was speaking to their heart. This is the only reason why we're here today, guys. That person was obedient and gave what God led them to to give, and now we're here and we're able to do this because of someone else's obedience. You get that, right? So we said, we got the down payment. Woo! We can't afford paint now. So I guess we're just going to move in and maybe progressively get the building a little bit better and better. But we decided to give ahead of time to help with the renovations while we had the in-between period uh, of moving in here and moving out of the other building. And people began to give and give and give. And somehow because of our obedience and our generosity, God began to bless the people in the church more. And it wasn't long before this church had given like $18,000 I'm going to say it again, $18,000 towards the renovation of this facility so that we could do everything we needed to do before we moved in. We We were so excited about what God was doing. We got a phone call from a church in another state, and they said, Listen. We believe that this is the season where God is doing something in your church. We want to partner with you. We're going to write you a check for $10,000 to help you out and do what God has called you to do. Now, when other churches start cutting checks to help other churches, that's a God thing right there. Before it was all said and done, the church that was so broke, we were licking other people's fingers. We saw God provide almost $60,000 to purchase this building and renovate it and get us on track with what God had called us to do. You should be shouting just a little bit louder than that. It's a miracle. You're not in a building today. You are in a miracle. God moved powerfully through that. We were like, whoa, how awesome is God? And then we got in here and started getting used to the facility. You guys that are guests today, hey listen, get ready to hear an awesome story about the faithfulness of God to his people today. I want to celebrate today. I want to celebrate it today as we talk about the why that we do this because we said if we're going to be in this facility, we better have a good plan to make a high impact. And we had our first service here, and you guys, a lot of you were here for that first service, and, and in that first service, we saw God move powerfully, and I've got some photos to just, just to spur your memory just a little bit. First service here at Eastgate Church. And it wasn't that people gave of the, like their finances, people donated their time and their services and their skills to make this happen. It was such a, a beautiful time. People were working 8, 10, 12 hours a day up here so that we could come together and enjoy the presence of God in this facility. And keep scrolling through that. There's some pictures of our first service here. Stage looks a little bit different now, and that guy on the stage still looks goofy today, but amen. it was just awesome <laughs> to say I got to amen on that. See, I can keep you guys awake somehow. It was just awesome to see what God was doing, but we said, you know what? We saw God move. We're in this awesome place. We don't want to squander this opportunity that we have. And we began to seek the face of the Lord for what the next step for our church was going to be. And God began to speak to us. And we began to put together a a vision that we called Twelve Stones. And we got it from this passage in the book of Joshua. I am going to read it for you because I don't want to take for granted that you remember or, or know this stuff. About us. It's important for us to talk about yeah. church history. You know what I mean? Yeah. A big part of knowing where you're going is understanding where you come from. And it's that foundation that helps mm-hmm. pave the way for what's waiting for you in the future. And In Joshua 5, this is after the children of Israel are crossing over into the promised land and taking over the land that was promised to them hundreds and hundreds of years previous. He says, Joshua speaking, he says, Go over before the ark of the Lord. Your God in the middle of the Jordan and each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. According to the number of the tribes of Israelites and to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. We said we wanted to build something that was a testimony to the generations to follow, to point to the glory of God. But we didn't want to squander a calling or squander an opportunity. We wanted to begin to build something for those that were going to come behind us. And we wanted to begin to build something to not just stay where we were, but to continue to move forward as a church and we responded in a big way as the church. You guys remember all those those meetings and, and the services that we had where we were talking about that, and, and then the church responded in a huge way, and we were seeing God bring in finances and ministries being launched, and we were reaching people. It was just great, and then crazy COVID decided to happen. I'm about sick of COVID. How about you? So COVID did its little thing, but God... I found out, and this might be news to some of you. It was interesting to me. God doesn't give a flying rip. What kind of pandemic is going loose on the planet Earth? He's still going to do what he wants to do regardless. So um, we kept moving forward and doing what God called us to do. And we saw in the middle of all this COVID stuff over a year ago, the most productive year of ministry we've seen as a church in over 10 years. Over 10 years, guys amazing. And listen, that happened while we were seeing a 45 percent drop in our income. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Think about that. More ministry with less money. Why? Because your staff got really good at stretching a dime into a dollar. <laughs> we try to be really good stewards over what God has called us to, uh, to manage um, as a church, and you should be, not just as a church, but in your own personal life. we care about what we do. With the finances here, because we know we're going to answer to God for it at the end of the day. So we're very serious about that. But we saw God do so many things, so many powerful things this last year. I want to celebrate with you a little bit more today, though, uh, about some of the things that God has done this year in and through our church. Can we just keep celebrating for a little bit? All right. I, I want I want our faith to be built up here. Did you know um, one of the major and most effective ministries we started during COVID was this little prayer outreach that we put on social media and just began to ask the community if we could pray for them. I want to give you some numbers that are almost unbelievable. I had to double check it, but it's just as true as God is on his throne. That little ad over 18 months has reached over 90,000 people in our community. We're 90,000 people in our community. And what's crazy is that's a little less than one-third of the people that it could be reaching around us right now. So there's a lot more for that to produce. And that means over, over 90,000 people in a time of crisis hopped online and they saw my face and Pastor Kelly's face and a little ad that said, hey, some crazy stuff going on in the world. How can we pray for you? And just this year alone, guys, listen to this. This year alone... This church has prayed with over 2,400 people from our community. Oh, yeah, that's something to praise God for. You think about that, over 2,400 people. Churches are struggling to get people from the community to come to their churches, and we say, why don't we just go to them? When's the last time you prayed for 2,400 people? Well, I can tell you our church has done it this year. Praise God. And we've seen God do so many things through that and stories of healing and and just miraculous things happening in people's lives. I could spend all day giving you the stories. It's so awesome to see what God has done. Um, Did you know that your church this year has helped? This is approximate. I really think it's more, but for sure, 33 families find jobs, housing, and food in our community this year. That sounds like the hands and feet of Jesus to me. That's awesome. We've seen seven marriages restored through the ministries of the church this year in the community, and praise God for that. That's seven families. That's seven husbands and wives staying together. That's seven sets of children that don't have to live in a split home. That's that's amazing to see that happen, and God's so faithful. We've seen through our our live stream and podcast, they're reaching people, listen to this, in over 50 countries throughout the world, and half the states in the USA. Let me say that again. That's awesome. Our live stream and the podcast of the messages of this church are reaching over 50 countries globally right now, from Douglas, Stupidville, Georgia. Okay? And over half the U.S. people are listening, and it's not like everybody in every state. but like one or two people, and you know what? One or two people in every state, that's good, because they can share, and we can... Every time you like and share... Our reach goes further. We had somebody from Kentucky talking to us yesterday, and I was praying with somebody in Nigeria who had watched one of our messages and wanted information on how they could share Christ with Muslims around them. And that, I'm telling you, is what it's all about. What it's all about. Um, We've seen 62 decisions for Jesus this year through the ministries of the church. That's something worth shouting over. Sixty-two people crossing over from death to life, that's what it's all about. And and 62 sounds great, and that's a great number. But here's what I know, that every number has a name. Every name has a face. Every person has a story. And I want you to just see 62 as a number. Listen, this represents individuals whose lives have been impacted by the power of Jesus. And two of the people I want to share with you today are Madison and Jed. I got a photo they're going to put up there. These are great people. Great people. Madison and Jed, they, they connected with us through our prayer outreach ministry that we have from the church. Um, they, uh, Madison had just moved into the state and was going through a ton of health issues. Real dark time in our life and she saw our little prayer thing and reached out and and I responded to her and we prayed and then we set up a phone call and talked to her and she said I want to come to this church and so she came and she brought Jed I remember the first service when they walked in it was awesome because we had been talking and communicating leading up to it and they were kind of kind of a little scared but a lot excited you know how it is when you go to a place for the first time and and, man, I just watched our people love on them when they came in. And they, when they walked in, they were treated like family. And they weren't ostracized. Or, and they weren't walking around by themselves. We swarmed them and covered them with the love of God. And God impacted their lives. Both of them are on fire for God right now. Both of them are growing in their faith. Listen to this. Both of them are about to become members of our church. And Madison is set to be baptized in just a few weeks. That is awesome. That is awesome. And it's so awesome. That's why. That's why. That's why we do what we do. To see God impact and change Lives To see people cross over from death to life. To watch God change someone from the inside out. To see someone go from depressed and confused to excited about what God is doing inside of them. And wanting to share it with somebody else. That's why we do what we do as a church. This is why we do it. Which is why we do it now. Thinking about this and thinking about the complete call of God for church—not just to reach people, but to reach people for Jesus, and to help them grow in their relationship with God—and God took me back to a a moment in a service that just rocked me to my core. I went to Texas to honor a man who had just poured into my life tremendously his name was tom wilson and he's just a great man of god great mentor great teacher passed away Was going to his funeral and his son scott was speaking in the funeral and he was talking about how his dad had lived his life to pour into others and to not just create a legacy to be known by but to build a spiritual legacy into the lives of other people that would glorify god and I was sitting in that funeral service, and Scott shared this story, and I've shared this with you a couple of times over the last couple of years from this because it impacted me. So you know, you look at different seasons of your life, and you can just see road marks along the way where something pivotal happened that influenced you and impacted you in a major way. This is one of those moments for me. And he was talking about how he had had a dream, and he was preaching to this big crowd of people up on this platform, and while he was preaching in his dream he looked down and he was standing behind this this pulpit and underneath them the stage was kind of cut out and he was looked down and he saw that he was standing on the shoulders of his father his father was down there holding him up just praying and crying and and just covering him with 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 prayer and then he looked down below his father and he saw his grandfather and then he saw mentors and teachers that had impacted his life along the way and for the people sitting in the crowd looking at him in his dream it looked like he was on this platform preaching to them but he knew that he wasn't standing on a platform he was standing on the shoulders of men and women that had gone before him and prepared the way and had placed the spiritual inheritance of their life into him. And when I heard that, that impacted me so heavily. I thought, that right there. That, that is the heart of discipleship. And it, it rocked me to my core. To not just meet people where they are in life. But to let our ceiling become their floor. As we lift them up on our shoulders so that spiritually they can accomplish more than we ever could in our lives. And I've been praying a lot over this last couple of weeks. I just cannot get away from it. and I want us as a church to shift the way that we think about not just reaching people for the lost, but to help them become discipled and grow in their faith. And what if we decided to give our lives as a spiritual inheritance for the next generation of believers. Most people will say, Wow, well, yeah, I guess, that, that sounds great, but no. Not to go through the motions, but to actually do it. To give our shoulders to people and lift them up, not to point them to a class or a program or the tenets of faith or what they should or shouldn't be doing but to literally walk with someone and put them up on our shoulders and say your success is my success, and you're not going to have the struggles that I had in my life. I'm going to give my life to make sure that you have a walk with God that's more fruitful and productive than I ever thought I could have for myself. That's what real discipleship looks like in my mind. And be, be honest with yourself and... Just think about how the church functions and our life and ministry will not be defined by the size of our platform but by those who stand on our shoulders. It'll be defined by those who stand on our shoulders. And this is what bugs me about church right now. Because a lot of churches are about the platform. And I'm not doing church hate, and i don't want to throw shade there's a lot of great churches doing a lot of great stuff and there's a lot of great churches in this community doing a lot of great things i want you to hear me say that i know we're not the only group of people trying to do something for the kingdom of god can i get amen on that okay it's called kingdom work and so we're working with other churches to reach as many people as we possibly can but there is a a, an ideology going through churches in some circles, though, that the success of the church is tied to the size of the platform or the reach of the church. And that's not the case because when it's all said and done, it really comes down to those we're able to lift up on our shoulders and help along the way. To pass on that spiritual inheritance to the next generation of believers. And I'll show you what it looks like in church today. Eric, if you could, uh, come help me for a second. Pastor Jeremy, could you help me for just a second? I'll show you how this plays out in church world. Eric, I want you to stay right here on the floor. Pastor Jeremy, if you will, come up here and stand on the platform. and You guys have seen this play out many times in churches, okay? This is Inside Edition, Church Edition, okay? This is how this happens. So Eric comes into a church... And God rocks his world, okay? And he gives his heart to Jesus. Problem is, Eric doesn't know squat about the Bible. He just knows what he felt. He just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and he responded to uh, an invitation to accept Jesus into his heart. So now, what Jeremy's going to do as the typical church, and listen, how many of y'all have had a little bit of experience in churches before? Just a little bit? just a little bit, you probably will have seen some of this stuff play out in your experience over the years. So Eric now says, what am I supposed to do? So Jeremy, being typical Joe Blow church, is going to say, hey, man, hey, man. what we need to do is get you into a class. We need to get you into our next step class or our discovery class or whatever the discipleship class is going to be. And there's nothing wrong with these classes, okay? He's going to say, we need to get you into a class. So Eric says, okay, I guess I'll go to a class. And in these classes, what is Eric going to learn? So Jeremy is going to teach Eric um, a little bit about who Jesus is, a little bit about what salvation was. He's probably going to teach him a little bit about getting away from that old nature, and stepping into being a new creation in Christ he's probably going to say something about now you got to get away from those that old crowd they used to hang out with because they're going to influence you the wrong way. And so we're going to teach Eric the basics of now, listen, we need to find out what your spiritual gift is so that we can plug you into the right ministry into the church because we know that if we do that as churches, we're able to expand our platform and get Eric connected to the church by being involved. He's going to be more apt to give so that the church can become stronger financially so that it can build a bigger platform. So Eric's going to get involved. He's going to hop on a rotation. Probably he's, he's going to serve in the church, and God can be growing him through that. But what I'm saying is there's something dark about the motivation of everything that's happening because the pieces look right, and the system looks right, and the process looks right, but the motivation behind it all, there's something out of balance with the whole thing. And so... Eric's going to go through that stuff, and he's going to learn about giving and how he should be tithing, and we should, but the motivation's a little bit off on the whole thing, and so after he's gone through that, Jeremy is now going to watch Eric do what? Be in a service, serve on a team, and then what? He's been through the system. He's been through the class. What's going to happen next? Well, you can get in a small group. Maybe he gets in a small group. What happens to him next? Eric starts to grow a little bit spiritually, and the devil comes in and begins to attack Eric. And so what Jeremy says from up here on the pulpit is, hey, man, hey man, you need to stop drinking because Christians don't drink. Hey, man. Hey, man. Eric comes to him and he says, hey, man, I'm... I'm struggling with with porn. I like watching naked people on my computer. Jeremy says, that's a little weird. You need to stop doing that. Okay. Eric comes in and he says, you know what? I've been going through a hard time because I've been reading the Word of God and it doesn't really make sense to me. I know nobody's experienced that early on in your walk with God that you open up the Bible and it was like you were reading something written in a different language and like, like it just wasn't clicking like everybody said it was supposed to click in the beginning. And so Jeremy says, hey, man, read this book. Watch this video. Hey, we got a class on studying the Bible. Why don't you go to a class? And we systematize everything. And Jeremy, whole interaction with Eric is from up here, speaking to him down there. Telling him what he should do, what he shouldn't do, who he should be, and who he shouldn't be, and what he should wear. Well, listen, man, we're, we're coming to church. You need to dress up and, and give God your best, so that's not going to cut it. You need to wear a suit and tie or something like that, you know. Or you need to, uh, well, man, we don't listen to music like that because it doesn't glorify God. You need to be listening to praise and worship music in your car 24 7, 365. you got to give up the Hank Williams Jr., man. You're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell, man. So, Jeremy's telling him all of this stuff, and what's happening is Eric is being forced into a cookie-cutter, preconceived idea of what a Christian is supposed to look like, act like, sound like, like all of that stuff and what's happening is he's being approached from a church on a platform that doesn't want to get down and get dirty and help him out what I'm talking about is different what if when Eric got saved Jeremy got off the platform and went down to where Eric was and said man I know what it's like I've been there before you're going to go through some battles you're going to go through some struggles but I'll tell you this right now you're not going to go through it alone no Nobody walks alone at this church. I'm going to walk right beside you. And your spiritual success is going to be my spiritual success because I want you to go further than I have in my walk with God. I don't want you to have to spend 10 years wrestling the stuff that I had to wrestle. I want you to live in victory and in freedom and be more productive for the kingdom of God than I've ever had the opportunity to be. And he grabs Eric and he takes him up one step at a time in his spiritual walk and in his spiritual growth in every battle that Eric fights. Jeremy's right there with him, giving his shoulders to him so that Jeremy's ceiling can become Eric's spiritual floor so that he can do greater things in his walk with Jesus Christ. That is what discipleship is supposed to look like. That is how the church is supposed to function. Where we carry one another and we lift each other up and we invest in one another, not pointing to a program, but pointing to a real authentic relationship with each other as we point each other to a real authentic relationship with Jesus. That's what the church is supposed to be like. That's a powerful why. It's a powerful why. Give these guys a hand for helping me out this morning. Our lives in ministry would not be defined by the size of our platform, but by those who stand on our shoulders. Can't you think back on a time in your walk with God where you wish you would have had somebody to help you not have to go through the seasons that you went through alone? Don't you wish you had somebody to come alongside of you and show you the ropes so that you didn't have to relearn things? How many of you would say, in my walk with God... I have found myself in seasons and in situations where I have had to learn things on my own. How many of you would say that? Yeah, yeah. Now, you experience things on your own. I get that, but there should be someone with us to help us so that we're not on an island trying to survive spiritually while the world and the enemy is pounding on us trying to get us to tap out in our walk with God. And Jesus built, he built in, that process to protect us from all of that. I, I was walked away from that message, and I was so impacted by it. I was in another service not too long after that where the preacher was talking about being one of two people, and he asked us a question. He said, uh, who, who are you in your relationship with God and your approach to following Him? Are you Elijah or are you Elisha and I had the same confused look on my face that a lot of you do right now what is he talking about what does it mean I want to walk you through the difference between the two following the same thought that we're on right now Elijah is called by God to be the prophet for Israel in the Old Testament Elijah towards the back half of his ministry was looking for a successor to carry on the ministry and kind of inherit the spiritual legacy that he had. And he walked by a guy named Elisha. Now, pastors hate preaching on Elijah and Elisha because they're so easy to get tongue-tied on. I mean, try to say it real fast. I'll show you. Say Elijah and Elisha. Now, say them together real fast. Elijah, Elisha. See what I mean? You can get mixed up on it just a little bit. So, Elijah walks by Elisha and, and gets called to follow him and y'all know the big story if you know a little bit about the Bible Elisha makes a big sacrifice and says I'm going to he destroys the plow that he was plowing the field with and kills the oxen and makes the sacrifice there and burns the plow burns up the, the, the oxen saying I'm burning everything that I have for my livelihood right now I'm giving it all up to follow you and he follows Elijah Elijah gets to the end of his ministry and they're having conversation and um, Elijah makes this promise to Elisha and he says, listen, if you're with me when I'm gone, when I go up to heaven, I will do what you're asking and I'll make sure that you get a double, a double portion of my spirit on you as you carry on the legacy to do what God is calling you to do. Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. A lot of crazy teaching that comes out of that. The main point is this, okay? Elisha was not asking really so much for like a double anointing or a double portion of a spirit in a way. What he was asking for was to be more productive in his ministry than Elijah was in his he said, I want to do twice as much as you. I, I want to do greater things than you, is what he was saying. And um, So Elijah says, okay, no problem. We get to the end of his life in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going to read this to you, so you guys stay with me. He says, Elisha, as Elijah was being caught up in this chariot of fire into heaven he cried out my father my father the chariots of horsemen chariots and horsemen of Israel he called Elijah his father his spiritual father Elisha saw him no more and he took hold of his garment and tore it into and Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan River and he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it and Elisha says where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah. He asked when he struck the water and he divided to the right and the left, and he crossed over it. And the company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Showing respect, they recognized, they recognized that Elisha was now operating in that same power and that anointing. Elisha had become the father. He had become the leader of the prophets. Notice that whole company of prophets there, but Elijah only passed an inheritance on to Elisha. Later on, And Elijah goes through his life ministry. And what's crazy is, almost literally to the number, Elisha does twice as many miracles as Elijah and does twice as much powerful stuff as Elijah does in his life. Elisha is able to to accomplish that, to to do greater things than Elijah did. And reaching the end of his life now, Elisha, in 2 Kings 13, verse 14, says, Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. and Jehoash, the king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. Look what he says. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. He's recognizing Elisha as a spiritual father and a prophet over Israel. And if you read further in that chapter, you're going to see something that just bothers me to the core. Elisha's interaction with this king is so business-oriented, it's almost insulting to the inheritance that he had received from Elijah. He talks to the king and he says, I want you to take your bow and arrow, and some of y'all know the stories because you've heard preachers preach the paint off the wall with these stories. Take that bow and shoot that arrow, and now if you shot the arrow, God's going to give you victory over your enemy. And he told him, now take some arrows and strike the ground with them, and the king struck the ground three times and you know Elisha rebuked him and said, you should have done it more. And preachers will get up and say, you always should give God your best and don't do it halfway and stay in the comfort zone and all of this stuff. And I'm reading this and what I'm getting from it and what this guy was challenging us with that day is so different. Because Elisha is not leaving any kind of spiritual inheritance for this guy. At the end of his life, he's basically covering administrative tasks. Like the great payoff, the great trade-off, the great inheritance this guy's getting is pretty much. So when I'm gone, don't forget to pay the light bill on the uh, third Tuesday of the month. And don't forget that the building payment comes out uh, at least before the 15th. You know, you need to make sure you pay that. He's just covering basic business with him. And this is this is crazy if, if you read down in 2 Kings 13 starting at verse 20. After he had finished telling the king this stuff, it says, Elisha died and was buried. And that's it. He was gone. Now the Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring once while some Israelites were burying a man there, they, suddenly they, they saw a band of raiders. and So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Wow. Dead man goes in, touches the prophet's bones, comes back to life. Because Elisha is still so anointed and so powerful with that, that double portion that had been poured out. He still was so holy. that It touched his bones. The guy came back to life. And I was reading it and I said, that is one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible because Elijah went to the grave keeping something that he should have passed on to the next generation. He took it with him in a selfish way. Instead of passing it on, instead of thinking about those coming behind him, instead of giving his shoulders to the next generation, he operated in a powerful ministry and had a huge platform and was able to do greater things, but he had nothing in the tank to pass on. He took it all with him. Elisha was a person of God more concerned about receiving a double portion than leaving one. This is the epidemic running through our churches today. That we have become so consumer-driven and consumer-focused that we show up to church and we are expecting it to be all about us. And we want what God has for us and we want Him to pour His Spirit and we want that double portion we want that platform. We want to do all these amazing things and we don't stop to think the, the fact that it's not about us. It is about what God can do in us. But God wants to do something through us too. And we can't just camp on what we've received as a spiritual inheritance. We've got to pass that on and lift somebody else up so that they can do greater things than we have in our walk with God. We've got to think about the next generation. This is why we do what we do. Pastor Josh, that just seems kind of intense. I, I, I was in the service and the guy was preaching this and he said, now which one are you? Are you Elijah or are you Elisha? Now, I wanna ask that same question of you today and you guys watching online. Which of the two have you been? Now, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm try, trying to wake us up and refocus us and get us focused on the why behind what we do as a church yes we want to grow yes we want to be everything God's called us to be but it's also about those that come behind us and we can't forget in all of our reaching that we're supposed to be lifting up at the same time I don't want a huge platform as a church you know what I want? I want some tired shoulders that's what I want from lifting up person after person, generation after generation, to see them go further in their walk with God than I ever could. And what's beautiful about that is that is what builds the platform, but it's not our platform. It's the platform of the kingdom of God, doing it God's way. It's amazing. I I was reading through the book of John, and I was reading through some of the stuff that Jesus said, and it just struck me that Jesus he had this plan for us as the church from the From the beginning in John uh, 14, looking at verse 12, Jesus is speaking here and he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus said, you're not just going to do what I've done. I am going to set you up so that you can do greater things than me. I want my ceiling to be your floor. I'm calling the church to go out and do more than I ever could on my own. That is so powerful when you think about it. And Jesus said, you're, you're caught in this sin that you can't get out of, and you can't come to me, so I'm going to get off the platform and come down to you. And I'm going to meet you where you are. And he let them lift him up, crucified to a cross. And our sin was put on his shoulders. And he paid the price for your sin and for my sin. To bring us back into a relationship with a God we had no hope of connecting with without him. And then he said, no, that's not enough. I just don't want to pay the price for your sin. I'm going to set you free from it completely. So he went to the tomb three days later he rose from the dead and he had something in his hands. He had the keys to death, to hell and the grave. Keys represent authority and he turned around and he said to the disciples, now listen, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So now I'm not just paying the price for your forgiveness. I'm giving you that power and that authority to go out in my name so that you can operate in freedom over the stuff that has held you hostage up until now and then he said that's not enough now I'm going to go to my father in heaven and I'm going to release my Holy Spirit on this earth and now I'm not just going to be with you but I'm going to be in you and the Holy Spirit is going to equip you with anointing and with power the Bible says that the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us if we have received him as our Lord and Savior and he said when you're filled with my Holy Spirit. He says, now you will be witnesses. You will receive power to be witnesses. That word power is a word from a Greek word called uh, dunamis, which means miracle working explosive power. It's a supernatural power. He says, I'm pouring everything in you. And I'm setting you up for success. I'm picking you up on my shoulders so that you can go further and than I have in my work on this earth so that you can do greater things than I have. Jesus modeled what I'm talking to you about today. And if the church follows that model, think about this. If I live my life to lift you up on my shoulders so that you can accomplish more for the kingdom of God and the generation behind us receives that pour out and that blessing and they move forward and they do it the same for the generations behind them. What you have is a church that doesn't have to start over again. What you have is a church where people aren't on an island trying to figure things out on their own. What you have is a church that sets up the next group of leaders with financial power, with organizational strength because we thought about what you were going to be inherited. We have a church that becomes an unstoppable tidal wave crossing this earth accomplishing things for the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus envisioned. Not that we just receive for ourselves, but that we set other people up for success and their walk with Him. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's why we do what we do. And the rest of the stuff that we're going to talk about Nuts and bolts, the plans and how we get there. It doesn't mean the same if we don't have this right. This is why we do what we do. Amen? This is why we do what we do. I want you to imagine with me for a second. I want you to just imagine a church. Imagine a church that unchurched people can attend. Where they weren't put into a box or a cookie cutter design for what a Christian was supposed to be. They were able to come into a church and let God deal with them and grow them as he chooses to deal with them and grow them up. A church that unchurched people can attend. Church is not religious but is in love with a savior that has changed them from the inside out. Imagine a church where no one walks alone. imagine a church where the people say it's a church where my ceiling becomes someone else's floor a church where the presence of God transforms lives that's the kind of church I want this church to be and if we get the why right That's the kind of church we will be. How many of you would love to be a part of a church that was like that? Yeah. See, this is why. This is why. Because when we operate the way we're supposed to, it takes away all the arguments from the outside. And it puts us in a position to minister in a place of power. Very few churches. Have the opportunity to operate in I want our church to be genuine I want our church to be real not that we're better than any other church out there because I know we're not but I want us to do what we're supposed to do to reach the people we're supposed to reach and I don't want to stand in front of God and have him look at me and say Why were you so concerned about building a platform when you could have been giving your shoulders to a generation that desperately needed it? Not just reach, but to help form a spiritual inheritance for the next generation of believers. And what's funny is, next generation of believers doesn't mean that they're young next generation of believers can be in their 60s. They can be in their 40s. They can be in their 30s. Who is going to accept Jesus next? That's who I want to pour into. That's what I want to pour into. Everyone, if you will, stand to your feet. I know I've been throwing a lot at you this morning. The why. It's the why. It's the why. It's the why. Everything we're going to talk about after this, this is why we're doing what we're doing. I wanna give you some big news and then I wanna give you a challenge. Okay, so you give me five more minutes. Notice I held up 10 fingers for five minutes. It's a politician's trick right there. I'm kidding, five minutes. Listen to this. God is positioning our church to do something special and something powerful. No hype, no baloney, the real deal truth. God is opening doors for our church right now that are humbling when you begin to think about the trust that he is placing in us as a church. We stepped out with this 12 stone vision a little over a year ago on the promise that God gave us that we were going to see 2,000 salvations and 1,000 baptisms over the next five years of ministry in this church and we've done our best to position ourselves to be able to step into that because you have to move structurally while you're moving spiritually at the same time too right got to make sure that you can hold up what god is pouring in so we've been busy getting ready for that two years ago pastor kelly and i on invitation went to a vision casting uh, session with very prominent church leader began to share his heart and it's in line with everything that I've shared with you today. He said, what, what if we as pastors and churches came together to not create another church network or to create a church planning network or anything like that? What if we came together to form a family where we as pastors Gave our shoulders to other pastors and churches so that they didn't have to waste time reinventing the wheel. And we didn't charge them an arm and leg for the secret information that we had for their success. What if we just gave it to them for free because that's what family does? What if we became spiritual mothers and fathers to churches and pastors to help them go further? And accomplishing what God has called them to do than they could on their own. And we were all like, That's that's a phenomenal idea. So we decided to pray on it. Two years ago, they began building structure, building towards it, developing the initial network. Got a phone call back and they said, Hey, we're doing this thing. Do you and Eastgate Church want to be a part of it? I said, Yeah. Yeah, we, we want to be a part of that. What does it look like? And here's what it looks like. We're going to spend the next two years pouring into you and your wife. That would be me and Pastor Kelly. And we're going to give you everything that we've got. You're going to be exposed to the top 1% of leaders in this country. And they're going to give you everything that they have. And we're going to give you every resource that we have as, as, a, as a church family to set you guys up for success so that your church doesn't have to wait 30 years to accomplish what these people have accomplished. You'll be able to go out and be at that level in 10 years, or in two years, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. We said, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do that. So June of this year, Kelly and I went to Texas, and we had go through this interview process and got accepted, went to Texas, sat in the first meeting, and we received so much. We we're receiving so much from this. Here's where it comes into into you something very significant for our church. You guys still with me? All right. Um, We're going to go through this journey as a church and grow and have access to all these resources, all these leaders, all this experience. They said, we don't succeed as a family until you succeed as a church in doing what God has called you to do. And when you guys are solid enough and stable enough, what we want Eastgate Church to be able to do and what we want you to be able to do, Pastor Josh, is to turn around and do the same thing for other churches for free. To pour into them and give them everything that you've got so that you give them your shoulder, so that your ceiling becomes their floor so that the next generation of church planners and young pastors and church revitalization projects, listen, they don't have to spend their wills trying to get traction. We want them to be successful. Do you want to be a part of that? And I said, absolutely sign us up. That's what our church wants to be. We are shifting from being a community church reaching Douglasville. Listen now, to an apostolic type of church that is going to be pastoring pastors and leading churches to exponentially, listen now, not build a platform, but to lift people up so that they can do what God is calling them to do. Think about it. Eastgate Church, we'll start with four churches we're going to mentor, pastor, pour into, and grow. Then it's going to go to eight. Then it's going to go to 16. Then it's going to go to 32. And before long, we are going to be a church leading churches that are making a difference in this nation. Listen, not someday. Two years. Everybody hold up two. Two years. This is coming. This is coming. Okay, this is what I'm going to tell you today, all right? We got more fun stuff to talk about next week, but this is huge. This is a game changer. This falls perfectly in line with what God is speaking over us as a church. Okay, but listen, none of it matters if we don't get the why right. So everything that we're doing is shifting and moving towards that direction is shifting and moving into this next step and this vision that God has given us. Guys, we are literally going to have an opportunity to influence the nation. How powerful is that? I know what you're thinking. Three groups of people. One, whoo! Pastor Josh, sign me up. I can't wait. Second group, that sounds awesome. I got some questions. Don't worry, I got answers to that question. And the third group, here we go again. Go ahead and move me, preacher man. Move me. Listen, if you haven't been moved by what God is doing in this service so far, listen, I'm scared for the condition that your heart is in. I really am. But I'd encourage you to come back and hear what God is doing and what God is speaking. Don't be one of those people that sits back and waits for things to happen from the safe seats. And then when the cool stuff is happening, jump in and celebrate with everybody else. Woo! Yeah, look what all of you guys did, but I'm going to celebrate with you so I can feel like I did it with you. And don't be that person, man. Listen to God and let's jump in on this, okay? Is this exciting stuff? Is this exi- doesn't this make you excited for what God is doing in your church? Oh, this is so awesome. Hey, if you're a guest here today, um, hopefully... gets you excited about what god's doing in the church that you chose to visit today there's a lot of great churches out there but we'd love for you to make this church your home church here's what i promise you that you will have a church where unchurched people can attend you will have a church where no one walks alone you will have a church where my ceiling becomes someone else's floor and hopefully the same will be true for you you will have a church where the presence of god transforms lives you will have a church that's moving towards doing something powerful on a scale. If you look around here right now, you say, well, that's awesome. Don't forget, we looked around in a rental building and said, maybe God can do something with a church that's broken, has nothing. I think God still wants to do something with a church so that he can get the glory. Amen? That's what it's all about. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you before we dismiss. Everybody take a deep breath i want to challenge you i know we made phone calls to get some of you guys here i know we invited the snot out of some of you to get you to be here today for some of you being here at church today is a huge accomplishment because of health conditions and and I, and I get all of that physical limitations i get all of that and some of you guys watching you wanted to be here today and i know that you would have if you could have been traveling and things are going on here's what i want to challenge you to do all right we've talked about the why Today. Next week, I want to start talking about the what and the how. I've given you a little bit of the what. I want to give you a lot more of the what. So, what I want to challenge you to do is this to come back. Okay, come back. How many of you will take my challenge right now and say, Pastor Josh, I know that, listen, I know there's unforeseen things out there. I know we're on Sunday and you got Monday through Friday, Saturday of the week ahead of you. But how many of you will say, if at all possible, I will be here next week to hear the rest of this and move forward in the vision that God has given us as the church. It's like almost 100% in here, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. This is an exciting season, guys. It's an exciting season. Exciting season of growth for us and the impact for us as a church. Buckle up. Everybody say buckle up. It's about to get fun. Hey, we've had a lot going on here today. We've celebrated a lot today talked about a lot of the doors that God's opening. I think it's only fitting if we close the service today just giving God a big shout of praise for what he's done. He is so faithful, is he not? He is a faithful God. Let's give God praise for what he's been doing in this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let me pray of you as we get ready to go today. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I'm you know, talking about all of this stuff and all this exciting stuff that's going on. I, I just, I cannot leave here today without asking, without asking one, one question. Is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? Do you have a real relationship with God? That same Jesus that died on a cross for everyone's sin, he died on a cross for your sin he died for you because he was and still is passionately in love with you the beauty of the question is that you know the answer either he is lord and savior of your life or he isn't either you have a relationship with him or you don't and before we leave i want to give everyone in here an opportunity to have that relationship with jesus so if you're here today with everyone heads bowed and eyes closed and you know i'm And I'm not ready to stand before God. I don't have a good relationship with Jesus, but I want to. You can change that today, and I want to count to three. And if that's you, and you want to make that decision today, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me, because I want to pray for you today. I don't want to drag it out, so here we go. You know the truth about where you are right now. So if that's you, when I count to three, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Three. Lift them up and look at me. If they, I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. Praise God, I see yours right there. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet and you know you need to, lift them up and look at me. If you already have, then don't worry about it. Alright. We had several people lift up their eyes. Here's what we do at East Gate Church. I am going to lead you in a prayer. And everybody in this place is going to repeat this prayer after me. And we do this because, listen, we're a family. We're a family and at this church, no one walks alone. And so you're not gonna pray this prayer by yourself. But I want you to pray this prayer and I want you to mean it from your heart. And it's it's not that there's something magical about this prayer. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you confess with your, your mouth that you'll be saved, okay? So you believed in your heart, you've responded to the altar call. What we're gonna do now is a little bit of confession through this prayer. And just seal the deal. Okay? So, everybody in this place, repeat this prayer after me Jesus, here I am. You know everything about me. Thank you for loving me in spite of it. Thank you for dying on the cross, for paying the price for my sin. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you. For freedom from sin in my life. You're my Lord and Savior. You're in control, not me. Thank you for saving me and I'll do my best one day at a time, one step at a time to draw closer to you so you can change me from the inside out. Thank you. Amen. Oh, let's praise God for what just happened. I'm going to pray over you and formally dismiss us. Thank you guys for staying with us today. It's a lot of vision, a lot of stuff to talk about. Can't wait for next week. It's going to be powerful. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you for trusting us. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for the doors that you're opening. Lord, thank you for reminding us today of the why. It's not the motions and it's not really the what or the how. Those those things are important. It's The why behind it all, that's what gets things done. Lord, thank you for reminding us today of the why. Why we do what we do. Why it matters, Lord. Thank you. And thank you most of all for setting that example so that we know that it can be done. God, we'll be a church that reaches. Lord, we'll be a church that gives our shoulders to lift others up so our ceiling becomes their floor so they can do greater things for the kingdom of God. We we'll give you glory and we we'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today. Hey, if you prayed the prayer and asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, listen, I'm going to hang out around the front of the stage area here today. If you're a guest or you prayed that prayer, i love to hang out with you for a little bit and talk to you, get to know your story. We love you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Get ready for what God has done.